Steve Vines for today's thing. Good morning, Steve, all the way from your Saikung lair. Good morning. I'm still in a safe location. I can tell. I can tell. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, great to be back with you. I mean, I'm just thinking to myself just when there isn't enough going on in the world. And apparently, Steve, the chickens of China are sort of kicking up a bit and they want to go as well. There is also the other news. There is indeed. I'm sure we'll get back to the to the big uh, C word. That would be coronavirus. <laughs> the new but, C word. Um, but, but in the meantime, I mean, what what is happening here? China, in what they say is a tit for tat, have expelled three leading, uh, uh, well, no, more than three, uh, four, I think, including Voice of America, four leading um, American news organizations. That is ominous enough. But what is really quite worrying and it's and and people who are say oh well that's all to do with journalists who the hell gives a what's it yeah should remember this what's really worrying is they've said oh and that ban extends to hong kong now we still have this funny little thing here called the basic law which in article um 154 look it up (laughs) Um, says that that the government of the SAR will have full control over immigration. And in Article 27, says that there will be freedom of the press in Hong Kong. So you may think unequivocally that that, um, whatever happens on the mainland, as far as journalists are concerned, that doesn't affect here. Now, what we've heard from the Hong Kong government in response to this Yes, you hear the sound of silence there. Absolutely not a word. I did check before coming on the um, the government website just to see if anything had been said this morning, and it hasn't. So here we have a situation in which it's quite bad enough. I mean, I personally think that expelling journalists is, is a bad thing because it, uh, we'll make the obvious point, it interrupts the free flow of information. Yeah. But the really worrying thing for Hong Kong is that when China gets into a tizzy about something, they just say, ah, we're no longer interested in the basic law. Well, it's quite interesting, the defense of this, which has been launched by one of the usual suspects, and she shall remain nameless, Elizabeth Quart. Um, she says, oh, this is matter of foreign affairs, foreign affairs, foreign affairs. Well, yes, it is, it is, in the mainland. But here in Hong Kong, we have a system where you are allowed to report freely. Nobody has ever suggested that that freedom has existed on the mainland. Here in Hong Kong, we're supposed to have control of immigration that is not sort of vaguely um, prescribed in the basic law. It's explicitly all down there in Article 157. Mm. So, you know, what does this mean? I don't know whether the quislings in the Hong Kong government will meekly say, oh, yes, sir, or sorry, yes, comrade, no comrade, we'll chuck out all the New York Times, Washington Post, and um, is it what's the other one? Uh, 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 the Wall Street Journal plus Voice of America journalists. Now, China's argument is, and this is, this is, I mean, this goes from absurd to ridiculous, is that because America has chucked out journalists which incidentally i don't think is a good idea but yeah look, we mustn't it. lose sight of that i mean yeah, we mustn't to be lose honest sight of it is I a tit for tat game bad idea indeed but they of course america has gone further and made organizations such as central television 
um, such as the Xinhua News Agency, such as the China Daily, has made the people who work in those organizations register as foreign agents. In other words, that they are there not as an independent Agent. media. Yeah. They are there as part of the government machinery. Now, in fact, this is true. The, these organizations do come under the propaganda department of the Chinese Communist Party. Right. They are they are not independent media. Nobody in their right mind pretends that they're independent media. So the idea that there's an equivalent, say, with the New York Times, I'm not the greatest fan of the New York Times, but I do understand that it isn't controlled by the government. I mean, the idea that Donald Trump controls the New York Times I think will be news to him. He, he hates because the New he York calls Times, it the, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he? He calls it the purveyor of false news. And I, uh, um, if you want to look up the numerous things, rude things that, that Trump has said about the Wall Street Journal, no, not the Wall Street Journal, about what, particularly the Washington Post and the New York Times, New York Times. you could clog up your Twitter feed um, without anything eking out around the edges. You said when you started just now, Steve, that um, in a tit-for-tat, no secrets made there move. So it really is just that. So what do we do? Do we just wait and see if this rides away? Because, well, you turfed out some of our press guys, we're going to turf out some of yours. Forget about agent versus journo versus credible, whatever. Well, I think the, the thing is this. Um, there is an increasingly bitter and quite nasty war of words mm. going on. We must put this in context between the United States and China. You've got Trump sitting in the White House calling this the China virus. You've got uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, um, alleging that the virus um, uh, was, he sort of suggests it was sort of deliberately started. On the Chinese side, you've got an official spokesman saying the virus was in fact started in the United States. There's no evidence for that, but ho-hum, ho-hum. And saying that um, China is basically responsible for its spread around the world. So, I mean, instead of the, the famous, oh, we're all coming together to fight this, hmm. we're not seeing any of that. And in the middle of this, you have this, I was going to say ludicrous, but it's not ludicrous. It's just outright worrying yeah. assault on a basic arrangement, which is, and China has recognized this basic arrangement for more or less six decades, maybe five decades, you could argue when it started, which is we will allow in people from overseas to report on our affairs. Of course, we regulate their, their, their entry, but we will allow it. Now they're saying we don't like these people. We want to punish the United States. And they've chosen as their victims the uh, these newspapers that trump Plus hates America. they're not really nailing him are they on this one he's probably well, laughing really, quietly i mean it's not really very credible i mean voice of america is is a a slightly marginal case because it do, it is in fact a government agency and its remit is, this is to true. report the news um independently others will judge whether they do that or not so i'm I've, i'm kind of inclined not to talk about them although you know i i, I very much oppose the fact that their, their reporters have been kicked out of China. Do you reckon, Steve, that in the highest echelons, the highest diplomatic echelons of both countries, all the, all the uh, various guys are saying, oh, just, let's just ride this out, it's another one, it'll go away? Well, that may be the case, but what happens to Hong Kong in the middle of all of this? Okay. Remember, in the old days, it was always felt that um, however bad things were on the mainland, 
it was safe to put reporters here from overseas media obviously to report on Hong Kong, although mm. that wasn't that interesting to the rest of the world. And they all but moved away, didn't they, after the handover? Well, yes, but certainly, certainly to report on what was going on in China. Now, once you've had the establishment of the SAR mm -hmm. over two decades ago, that arrangement has gone on unchallenged. It's now being challenged. It's now joins that motley and quite worrying list of things that have been challenged independence of the judiciary, the powers of reinterpretation of the basic law that are said to reside in Beijing, although they don't actually reside in the basic law itself, etc., etc. So, you know, for people who say, oh, well, you know, one bunch of journos being kicked out of China, another a bunch of journos not being allowed to um, uh, remain here and work, then I'm sorry, you've got that totally wrong. It's not about journalists per se. It's about maintaining the distinctiveness and the freedoms which have been guaranteed to Hong Kong, both in principle and explicitly in the law. So it's not just a game of chess, Steve, because it does it's seem like that It's rather more way. worrying than that. I mean, as I say, I, I think that that's really what's happened is, is these newspapers and these journalists have been caught in the middle of a much wider battle. And there is an enormously wide battle. I mean, we haven't mentioned the trade war, but let's throw that in in case anybody... Yeah, what's going on there? Well, I was going to say, in case anybody by some bizarre um, circumstance has forgotten that the trade war is also underway. But the, the thing is this, is that you kind of, I don't want to sound too casual about this, but you kind of expect that in the battle between two big powers. Mm. You do not expect this kind of, I was going to say um, collateral damage, but it kind of sounds as though it's not important. It's rather more than collateral damage. It's collateral undermining of the status of the Hong Kong SAR. And in those circumstances, the fact that the chief executive in name only and all the other waxworks can't even bring themselves to say anything well, it wouldn't be the tells first. you far more than anything else about where we are at the moment. Let me take you way back to where you started at the beginning. You said the Quislings, talking about the pro-Beijing people in Hong Kong, uh, feel they had to say so-and-so. Why do they have to say anything? What about the first law of holes? I think it's called, um, it's to do with backsides and licking. Yeah, well, I that's what that's what Al Alvin, one of our blokes on Facebook Live, said. He said, he said their lips are too busy kissing heinies. That's what he says. Um, <laughs> and he also says, I can see a Hong Kong edition of National Enquirer on our horizon. Well, <laughs> journos want jobs right now, Alvin, so you might be on the money there. Yes, well, you know, I've always aspired to work for the National Enquirer. So. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, there Steve, I mean, just, just, but I mean, seriously, yeah, I mean, he, he's got it in one. This is this is nothing to do with um, anything other than putting your hand up and going, please, sir, please, sir. And sucking oxygen. It's like, I've here's an opportunity. I've said what you want me to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are the people who hear nothing, learn nothing, and think that their total ignorance is somehow a virtue. We don't have to listen to them, though, Steve, do we? I mean, they, t they see an well, opportunity to get some see, ink, is, as you would have said. Point. This is precisely my point. I, if Elizabeth quite wants to, to say these things, I, I'd say, well, good luck to her. But she is there for whatever purposes she's there. I've never quite found out what they are. But anyway, she's there for whatever purposes she's there. The Hong Kong government is a rather different matter. The mm. Hong Kong government, funnily enough, who knew, is supposed to be the government of the Hong Kong SAR. Devil and, and Deep Blue Sea, though. Happens 
fundamentally affecting the SAR, you would expect something rather more, how can I say, trenchant than silence. <laughs> but do you really think that in this day and age? Look at everything that's gone down over the past six months only. I, 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 I have low expectations. The trouble is, met. <laughs> you know your expectations and then you go to the next level down. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. I, I just, just insert a note of caution here. We don't know yet that the journalists working for these organisations, and I'm talking not necessarily about the ones based on the mainland, yeah. will also be expelled as a result of this edict. One of those organisations, the Wall Street Journal, has a, a, a fully-fledged office here. Mm -hmm. The New York Times and the Washington Post do have staff here, but they're not, you know, they haven't got a whole operation here. So I don't know what's going to happen to them. I very much hope that what's going to happen to them will be precisely nothing. But in a sense, that's kind of not the main point. The main point is that this edict of how things should be conducted on the mainland mm. as regards the foreign press is concerned is now being applied to Hong Kong. That's a really dangerous thing. I know everybody's sort of surprised when another thing happens that sort of says, this is nearly the end of Hong Kong, end of the basic yeah. law. How many things have to happen before we say, forget about it, they didn't mean it in the first place? Well, the, the, the good thing, I mean, in among the gloom is that we still have the liberty in Hong Kong and it's being exercised by legislators, by other people to protest about this. You have not heard a squeak within the mainland itself because that squeak would be extinguished and the person squeaking would more than likely be hauled off into some detention centre at best, mm. put in jail at worst. <coughs> so, you know, there is still that difference. But you can you can cut away, cut away and cut away mm. until the tree falls down. And then see what happens. All right, Steve. I think we're close. <coughs> we're heading in that direction. All right, I'm sorry then. to splutter. No, it's okay. Now you were talking about various things do exist. We heard yesterday <laughs> that uh, we we heard yesterday that the NTR has been ordered to release the video footage, etc. We all know the story there. Now really? the immediate thing that all the online warriors are saying, yeah, after it's been edited. I don't know what your take is on all of this. Well, my first take is that it does show that the judiciary is still functioning in an independent way. I mean, the, 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 the court has heard the arguments from the MTR saying that they're not responsible, they shouldn't be um, expected to do this, and the court's simply saying, look, according to law, you should. This is our judgment, and as far as I know, it will be carried out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the MTR is appealing against that. I don't know if the Hong Kong government is going to intervene. But, I mean, what? let's remember, what this is about is a potential plaintiff trying to collect evidence to pursue a claim. This is a fundamental part of the rule of law. If you have an evidence-based judicial system, you mm. must have the right to collect evidence. I, I know this sounds like, you know, um, legal stuff 101, but even I understand it. So I, I, I imagine somebody in government understands that as well. But well, just yesterday we heard the news about this, and it all seemed a bit easy. Here's one guy bringing his case, and all of a sudden they've been ordered to release. And you're like, really? Was it that easy? So yeah, I don't think it was that easy. That, I mean, yeah. this has taken take quite a long time and involved quite a lot of money. So, no. I mean, it's, it's interesting that, that the MTRC was so determined not to release this that they employed a very high-level brief 
to go into court for them. I mean, they haven't taken this lightly by any means. All right, Steve, sit tight for a few minutes. I'm going to keep the massive cameras rolling. And uh, if anybody, if you would like to join us on Facebook Live, love you to uh, love you to get on there. Do drop us a line, write a message up there, whatever you want to do. In the meantime, let's do the weather. It's just about 29 minutes to 11 o'clock right now. Just before we go back to Steve, let you know what's happening a little bit later on on today's programme. After 11.30, Dr David Gething, the vet, will be with us. And, uh, of course, he'll be on Facebook Live as well. Do join him there if you possibly can. Uh, any questions? Morning Brew at rthk.hk. And then after 12, we turn it over to a man of wine, Mr. J.C. Viennes, who's going to be in his studio with his props and his bottles and this, that and the other. So as many questions as you have for him, he would love to answer because he's really digging doing this. Let's go back to Steve right now, if we possibly can. How are, uh, you? are we on, on uh, the glory of radio? We are indeed. Yeah, you're back. All right, Steve. So uh, did you notice the slick filling I was doing there whilst you went oh, off yes, for a drink of water? <laughs> just fabulous. <laughs> OK, then. Uh, all yours. Um, I think maybe we better talk about the uh, the sea subject. Yeah. I mean, it is very interesting and good that Hong Kong is now being held up as an example of how to handle the coronavirus. Yeah. And people are saying, I think this is going a little far, but hey... You know, I've heard hyperbole in my time and know what it is, that Hong Kong is one of the safest places in the world to be at the moment. I don't honestly know whether that's true or not, but it's certainly not one of the unsafest places to be. Yeah. But think about why it is. Because at every turn, the government has been forced into doing things, forced into closing the border effectively with the mainland. Mm. The public has forced the government into um, launching rescues for people who've been stranded, particularly in Hubei province. Yeah. These things did not come easily. In fact, the first of the wider Hubei um, rescues only took place yesterday. And there's still hundreds of people stranded there. The government, who have absolutely miserably failed to prepare contingency arrangements for this, have been saved by public initiative in procuring masks, in procuring other protective supplies, mm. which this government could have done. How do we know they could have done it? Because in Taiwan, after the SARS outbreak, they not only had an inquiry, same as Hong Kong did, but they acted on it. Who knew that the purpose of an inquiry was to make recommendations and then do something? So from 2004, Taiwan was building up supplies of protective equipment, was preparing quarantine centers, was doing all the things that Hong Kong was recommended to do after SARS and miserably failed to do. So I'm very pleased, and of course we need to give enormous kudos to the people at the front lines of this in, in the hospitals and the clinics who are combating the virus, who are securing, the, who are making the tests, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, this is the people. I, I, I very much hope that none of those um, numpties in the government are going to say, you know, thank God for us. It's us that have saved you. 
You've been forced to save Hong Kong by the people of Hong Kong. Mm. I think we should be in absolutely no doubt about that. But it's really difficult to know what to do. It's like one thing, action and reaction. We've heard about, you know, plane loads of people coming back as, as you're getting mm. to. And who does what first, Steve? I mean, it's really tough. It's all very well to say. It's all very you tough. Know. I mean, you know, the, 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 the current situation, as I understand it, and I know that because I listen to RTHK, so ah. I'm very well informed. But you know, the current situation is that most of the new infections are coming in from abroad. But, you know, in terms of public policy, can you really deny the right of Hong Kong people, students, families, whoever, who happen to be abroad to come back home? I, I, I don't think you can. No, absolutely not. It contains not. dangers. It yeah. contains dangers. And it does look as though they're being handled. But, you know, the people who say, well, you know, they should be stuck in whatever hellhole, place like Britain maybe, that they're in, um, that's their problem. I've got a question for you about this, Steve. What do you reckon about the airlines apparently gouging? I mean, I, I, I know for a fact a good friend of mine took a journey recently and he ended up paying goodness knows how much more than the original price just to get on the seat at the back. There's a fabulous cartoon by Harry Harrison in SMP yeah, today. Always. Where, where, where the bloke is handing this bloke a ticket and he says, gosh, that's a first-class price. He says, yes, sir, it is, but you will be sitting in economy. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what about in times of crisis? They're still well, we're gouging. We're together, are we? As, as somebody said this morning to me, you know, when the oil prices are lower, you don't see them giving that back to you. You certainly don't. As a car driver, I, I drive past <laughs> the, the petrol stations thinking so, they're going so, to announce the so, reduction in prices. Because they always announce an increase in prices when the oil price goes up. Yeah. I mean, oil prices now, in parenthesis, are at a, something like a 40-year low. But the price at the pumps, that ain't changed. Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. So, of course, so, course, so how again, do you... There's no competition in Hong Kong between um, no. uh, uh, petrol companies. How do you feel then when you see, um, I don't know if you call them car, plane parks, at Chetlap Cock, full of planes. How do you feel? Do you feel sympathy, empathy, or well, whatever? I do feel sympathy because I know that the, that the people who are really suffering is this is the laid-off staff, and and I think we should think about that. I do indeed. I don't feel that much sympathy for the companies. I think the fact that they are making these really, uh, I was uh, breathtaking charges for getting on a plane back to Hong Kong. I suppose their logic is we ain't got any other business, so let's. Um, this is the business we've got. Steve. Squeeze it and squeeze it. When I said gouge, Steve, do you want to know how much the gouge was? Go on. £2,500 for a one-way economy seat. US dollars. £2,025 for a one-way economy seat from Amsterdam. Or from the UK via Amsterdam. That sounds like a complete bargain to me. I mean, would you Adam and Eve it to quote you? That's insanity. That's greed gone bananas. Uh, and there'll be some smug little yeah. person uh, sitting there going, laws of supply and demand, supply and demand. You know, I mean, it's called laws of gouging and exploitation. But, you know, it's, med it it's medieval. With, uh, there was many, many examples of this in Hong Kong. Landlords, some landlords here are saying we're in... Uh, life support and stuff. Well, yes, I'll shut up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, and and here we are in Hong Kong. And if this is true, I'm I'm, I'm going to. Uh, I was going to say eat my hat. I don't wear a hat, so I probably won't eat it. 
But I mean, you know, the United States has said they will be distributing, I think it's a thousand dollars to every citizen of America in the next couple of weeks. Hong Kong, strangely enough, is is planning to distribute a, a similar amount, a little less, but a similar, oh, sorry, a little more, a similar amount to Hong Kong citizens, yeah. uh, but only just before an election. Yeah, well, we've seen that before. Um, let we, let, let, let me just turn... Compare and contrast. And the excuse, yeah. just in case anybody's forgotten, the excuse is, oh, my goodness, we can't do anything quicker in Hong Kong because of the banking system. This is a place where you can't walk down a high street without tripping over a bank. There's more banks here <laughs> well, there were. than most people have had hot cups of tea. Let's go to our Facebook page for a second, Steve. Because uh, you've piqued people here. So uh, Simon says price at the pumps is same as when oil was $120. Steve writes in, uh, I'm leaving my kid in Manchester. It's too expensive to fly him back. He said, I just paid 5300 Hong Kong to fly my daughter back on Cathay from Bali this afternoon, one way. Actually, Steve, that sounds like a reasonably decent deal under the circumstances. And Rick writes in and he says, I just paid £2,600 GBP for a one way from the other side of the world. I mean, am I being a dreamer when I say, surely these airlines should be able to say, oh, we want to help you. We're going to get you back and we're not going to charge you more. I know I'm dreaming, Steve. I know I'm on well, it's not, I mean, acid saying that. I mean, what it is, we're actually talking about Cathay because... I don't know who I'm talking about. These- direct flights and you know Cathay is supposed to be Hong Kong's flag carrier Hong Kong is in extreme crisis we would like to think so we- I think that the, the, the major corporations in Hong Kong would say we're all in this together yeah, <laughs> yeah all right uh, a hollow laugh yeah, hello, laugh. Do you know much about uh, quarantine and stuff? We've got an email, uh, a, a message on our Facebook page. Good morning to James Mills, who says, Guys, maybe you have already discussed on previous times. However, could you discuss on exactly what is the quarantine process if you get off a plane from Hong Kong, say, uh, to, in Hong Kong, say, from the UK, showing no symptoms and home quarantine? Uh, is that, you know, is that what we have to do? What to expect as soon as you land? 14 days at home, restrictions, etc. Tracking info. The info is a little sparse on this government website. Do any of your listeners have experience of this? I happen to know one of our listeners does. And if, Mr. X, you have time, can you please tell me what you've been lumped with? Um, and I'll no, read but, it out. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the bold facts of the matter are now everybody has to go into some form of quarantine People who are uh, coming from overseas who are Hong Kong residents can quarantine themselves. They will be monitored yeah. through this new map uh, app, sorry, which which looks like a sort of, you know, those bands you get when you're in Asso. hospital. They're not. They used to have these. Not used to. I'm wearing to about a few days ago. These great big clunky things, which were presumably um, devised during the Second World War, but they they they've kind of updated it. I, you know, this seems to me a perfectly reasonable. Um, condition and it also is a reasonable condition because unfortunately people who are coming back on planes have been lying that's simple right that's simple let's say hello to nigel who says perfect time to lower petrol pump prices with the quarantine in effect alvin's back he says paul chan is a cheapskate it's the only reason to wait what about petrol pumps steve you're a driver well well, as i say i mean there ain't been no movement and and the the price of the import is of course going down now. What the oil companies will say, and let me get in before they they make their mealy mouthed excuse is, oh well, 
they're still they're still selling product that they bought at much higher prices, but they won't be sued. And it's interesting that when the price goes up, they're still selling product that they bought at oh that's right lower prices. Yeah. And do they give the um, consumer the benefit of that? No, they don't. And in free enterprise Hong Kong, point that I've made before the break, in free enterprise Hong Kong, we have a petrol monopoly. There is no competition. But they that's business as usual, Steve. Price. What are you talking about? We've got a few answers here. So the fellow I was on about very kindly said, um, he said, I'm being monitored through WhatsApp, actually. You have to show your location for eight hours and reset it every eight hours. And uh, also, so basically they mean business. There's some serious paperwork. If anybody's got back to Hong Kong, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And then apparently they can call you by phone or video phone anytime they like and indeed visit your gaff, I believe. Uh, Rick writes back, he said there's a, he sent me an article from Forbes and it says alarming coronavirus police surveillance tags are now here. It says Hong Kong first to deploy. Now, Steve, they're taking it seriously, which is a real pain in the backside for everybody concerned, but it means they're taking it seriously and they're doing it properly. They're taking it seriously and I don't think a, a sensible person should dispute that. What I always fear is when you find an effective surveillance device a means of of keeping an eye on the population yeah uh will that continue to be used mm. after we have oh, the situation see, that we, we shouldn't even we shouldn't even be thinking this exactly we shouldn't be worried about that but if you had any form of trust in this government i know hollow laughter all round yeah. you would say well of course that's not an issue yeah. it is well, it is. But you remember the people in the UK went bananas when there was a notion of having an ID card. And we're, yeah. we're so used to it here. And we're like, but see, the damage is already done. We've, you know, we've got ID yeah. cards. We're like, well, it's quite useful. But they went that through boat, the roof. That boat has left the port. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Simon wants to know how our arrivals transported to quarantine stroke home, question mark. Well, according to the person I'm talking to, they're not. They get on the train or a taxi and they get, get on home. Well, and, unless they're going to a quarantine centre, in which they get on a, on a sealed bus. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, look at all these people getting off the the planes in these few days. This is created. This is created what some people think is going to be a wave two. It may already be. Well, we already have seen a, sh a sharp rise in the number of infections. I mean, I think that yesterday there was one of the biggest increases recorded. I, I, I mean, this is inevitable. The question is is containment, isn't it? It's not axiomatic that those people who are infected will now go on and infect other people. That's what containment is, I thought, supposed to be all about. One question for you, Steve, and I know that you have... He's at home because we're not doing studio guests, not yeah. because he's a crook or anything, not because he is crook or anything. Uh, another person just wrote to me, hello, Greg, and says, I believe they put your address on a register, so it's obvious to neighbours who is home quarantined. Neighbourhood snitches, says Greg. This thing about the scarlet letter, yes, apparently some of that information was leaked as to who's where and what, but it's yeah. Hong Kong's culture of dobbing people in. Anybody who's lived here for a long enough time will know exactly what I'm on about. Yeah, it's another worry. I mean that if anybody is out there looking for a perfect solution, I mean, good luck with that, because it don't exist. It really doesn't. Mm. So when it comes to, you know, push comes to shove, Steve, do you go with the people who say Hong Kong is, in fact, handling this very well, not the government, but others are saying the people who are making the government handle it well? What yes, do you think, that's, anyway? That's my view. That's my view entirely, is 
if it wasn't for the acts of people in Hong Kong, their, their own initiative, the pressure that they've exerted on the government, we would be in a way worse position than we are. And for all those people, Regina, you, you know who you are, who are advocating putting in jail frontline medical staff who went on strike to try and get stronger controls on the border, eat your whatever it is you eat for lunch. I'm going to leave but it there, I hope Steve. it's nothing pleasant. It's been a pressure as always. Steve Vines, thank you very much. We'll do it again next week.